All right, well, we are in week four of a summer message series called Grow. And uh, this summer, for the months of June and July, we're talking about some of the different aspects of our faith journey. You know, God wants us to grow. He wants us to grow in our faith. Uh, He wants us to grow in how we serve, uh, both with our time and our generosity. He wants us to grow in how we read and apply God's word to our daily lives, uh, how we lead our families, and how we're influencing the lives of others for Christ. Uh, The truths that we're talking about in this series have been chosen specifically uh, to encourage us in our faith And to challenge and stretch us each and every week to take that next step in our faith journey. To help us all continue to grow. So today we're going to continue our series by talking about another extremely important aspect of our faith journey. Today we're going to talk about prayer. Now the concept of prayer can seem daunting or intimidating no matter where you're at in your Christian walk. And when it comes to the topic of prayer, I think a lot of people have many of the same questions. I mean, anytime I I meet with someone one-on-one, a family, or talk about prayer in a sermon series, I always get questions like, you know, how do we talk to God? What can we talk to him about? And does God hear my prayers? You know, there's so many things that we could talk about when it comes to the topic of prayer. But for today's message, I really just want to help lay a solid foundation that can help every person take that next step in your own prayer life. You know, Jesus knows that we need guidance when it comes to prayer, and I believe that's why he provides a model for us of what prayer should look like. How many of you can remember building a model of something When you were in school, I mean, I remember this like it was yesterday. I remember building a model house out of popsicle sticks. And I remember, you know, getting with another group of students, just peers in in elementary school, and being asked by the teacher to build a model theme park out of toothpicks, marshmallows, and paper. Looking back, I don't think it probably turned out very well. I also remember. Uh, building a model car using the instructions that that came with it. I I think, you know, Christmas or my birthday, I remember my parents giving me a model car uh, one of those times. But the more you get to know me, uh, the more you'll learn that I'm not really a handy kind of person. I'm really not a Mr. Fix-It. In in fact, when I go on mission trips, whether locally or or globally, um, I, I don't mind the hard work that has to be done, but usually by the end of the trip, I'm labeled the delicate flower. <laughs> you know, I've, I've just never been any good at building models or um, repairing even the smallest of jobs. It's, it's just not my gifting. It's not how I was wired. And again, I don't, I don't mind the hard work, um, but it's just not what I'm good at. Uh, my oldest son, Micaiah, on the other hand, he's extremely gifted when it comes to building things. I mean, he, he can get a brand new 800-piece or more Lego set and finish the project from start to finish all by himself in about an hour or two. I mean, he can look at a picture of something online and figure out a way to build it in real life. He, he just absolutely loves the details. He loves to build models of just about anything he can. You know, if done correctly, models are helpful because they can give us an accurate picture of the real thing. And today we're going to talk about a model for prayer that's given to us uh, by Jesus in God's word. 
It's a model for prayer that Jesus teaches called the Lord's Prayer. And we call it the Lord's Prayer not because Jesus prayed it himself, but because he taught it. You know, chances are you've probably heard the phrase, the Lord's Prayer, especially if you've spent any time in church growing up or, or in the past few years. Maybe you've even prayed the Lord's Prayer. Uh, today we're going to look at Luke's account of the Lord's Prayer, and it's actually the shortest account, which is um, interesting because Luke's gospel um, has the most detail out of any of the synoptic gospels or any of the gospels in general, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What you're probably familiar with is Matthew's account. I believe there's 14 or 15 verses there. And this week I, I went back just to compare the two. And I found that even though there's only four verses in Luke's uh, account of the Lord's Prayer, it contains every bit of information as Matthew's account does. Um, usually I, I teach on Matthew's account. and We'll take a couple Sundays to do that. But today we're going to look at Luke's account. And as we talk about prayer today, we're going to see why the Lord's Prayer is such an important model for our own prayer life. So if you have your Bibles today, uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 11. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4. Um, if you have your smartphone or your tablet, you're more than welcome to open those as well. Um, we have Bibles in the back of the room, and the text will be on the screen this morning. So Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, this is what we read. It says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray... Say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Luke's gospel was written by a Gentile doctor named Luke. In his profession, Luke would have valued the details. And this is obvious in how he writes about the life and ministry of Jesus. I mean, from start to finish, Luke's gospel is the most detailed of the four gospels. Now, being a Gentile, Luke probably also felt like an outsider. Remember, he's the only Gentile author in the New Testament, and you can see this in his, his writing style. Luke writes from an outsider's perspective, and he emphasizes that God's grace and salvation extends beyond the Jews to everyone, no matter their background. So in Luke 11, in his account of the Lord's Prayer, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. And at first glance, this really doesn't seem like that big of a deal until you understand the context behind the question. The disciples were, were already very familiar with prayer. I mean, it was a part of their culture. It was ingrained in how they were raised. I, I believe they would have prayed often, and they would have been surrounded by, by others who would have prayed often, both privately and publicly. So why did they ask Jesus to teach them to pray? Well, I believe it's because they had been observing Jesus in real time. They, they saw his miracles up close. They witnessed his teaching, how he taught with authority, unlike anything they'd ever heard. They witnessed how he loved on people that nobody else loved and, and his compassion towards others. They witnessed how he prayed. They witnessed the way Jesus prayed was different from anything they'd ever seen. And it always had amazing results. I believe the disciples were motivated by Jesus' prayer life. They wanted to learn how to pray 
like Jesus and how they could experience God's power in their own lives. As we'll talk about today, the, the value in the Lord's Prayer really isn't in memorizing or reciting it word for word. There's nothing wrong with that, and we, we should memorize Scripture, we should repeat Scripture, but that's just not the purpose of this model that Jesus gives us. The value of the Lord's Prayer is in using it as a model for our own conversations with God, praising Him, worshiping Him, asking for His will to be done in our life and not our own, requesting the things that we, we need, confessing our sins and receiving forgiveness. When I read the Lord's Prayer, I'm reminded that it, it's really all about praying from the heart. It's all about our motive in prayer. Like the early disciples, we can learn from Jesus' example and see that the, the power of prayer is available to every person who follows Jesus. So if you're taking notes this morning, the first point that we're going to talk about is that the Lord's Prayer models our priorities. The Lord's Prayer models our priorities. Think about who is someone in your life whom you admire and why. Think about that for a few moments. You know, personally, I, I have a running list of people whom I admire. But one person whose name comes to mind is a guy named Cliff House. Uh, Cliff has been the senior pastor at Lakewood Christian Church for many years. In fact, he has served uh, this church in McAllister, Oklahoma for over 35 years, serving as their first youth minister, uh, serving as the, the principal for their Christian school, and now as their senior pastor. And he was also the first pastor that I was able to serve with as a new youth minister all the way back in 2008. I don't admire Cliff because of his preaching style. I mean, if I'm honest, it's really not my favorite. I, I have a hard time connecting with his preaching style. I don't admire him because he's super trendy. I mean, he didn't really care about the latest trends or using the latest illustrations or you know, dressing a certain way. He's just not really into that. And I don't admire him because we have a lot in common. I mean, outside of our faith, our love for our families and, and for the Lord and the church, outside of that, I mean, those things are very important uh, and the most important. But outside of that, we just really don't have a lot in common. I admire Cliff because he practices what he preaches. And when he talks about generosity, it's because he's extremely generous himself. When he preaches on the topic of family, it's because he puts his marriage and his parenting before the needs of his own church. And I think that's right on. When he talks about the importance of serving your church, I mean, you can see a track record of 35 plus years serving and loving on his own congregation. I mean, Cliff is, is consistent, and I admire that about him. The disciples admired Jesus because he loved the Father. He loved people in a way they'd never seen and because he practiced what he preached. Sometimes I think it's tough for us to think of Jesus as a real person. But Jesus lived on this earth as a baby, as a toddler, a teenager, and a man. He would have experienced some of the same things we experience in life. I mean, think about this for just a moment. Jesus would have experienced what it's like to have bad morning breath. He would have experienced laughter. Sadness, tiredness, pain, joy, and friendship on the deepest levels. Being fully God and fully man, Jesus needed prayer just like you and I need prayer. When the disciples witnessed his prayer life, they could see that he was living it out. He practiced what he preached. 
In Luke chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, we read, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. So Jesus begins this model for prayer by reminding us that it's important to stay focused on the right things in our prayers. As a human, Jesus needed prayer to help him stay focused on the right things, to help keep him focused on God and his will for his life. Prayer was not an occasional thing. It's what fueled his life and fueled his ministry. And the conversations that he had with his heavenly father directed his thoughts, his speech, and his actions. I mean, prayer was the vehicle, literally the vehicle that helped him keep his priorities in order and to stay on track. This particular model on prayer starts by reminding us about what's really important. It helps us align our priorities in life. And one truth that we're reminded about all throughout God's word is that regardless of what's going on in our lives, God is always the same. I know it's hard to persevere in prayer, to keep praying when things are difficult. But this morning, we can be reminded that in Hebrews 13, verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe it's important to remember this truth when we go to God in prayer. Because when we pray, we're communicating with a God who's personal, who's loving, who who always desires the best for our lives, who's all-powerful. I mean, literally, there's nothing we can pray about that's beyond his ability to answer. Does that mean he's going to answer our prayers the way we pray them? Not always. But there's no prayer that we can pray that's beyond his ability to answer. When we pray, we're communicating with a God who's all-knowing. He knows what's on our heart before we even ask it. He's wise, holy, and he's active in our lives. Prayer is a partnership with God. And we can approach God with confidence, praising and worshiping him for who he is, regardless of what's going on in our lives. Jesus never changes. He's always faithful. You know, when we pray, beginning with praise, worship, and and adoration, helps to align our priorities. It keeps the main thing the main thing, regardless of what's going on in our lives. The second thing I want to talk about this morning is that the Lord's Prayer reminds us that God is our perfect provider. In Luke chapter 11, verse 3, it says, Give us each day our daily bread. This reminds me, you know, as a parent, we, we love to give good things to our kids. It's, I think it's just how we were made. I see it all the time on Facebook. I mean, dads taking their kids to the movies, to the park, or out to dinner. Moms having play dates with other moms at the local splash pad. I know since we've, we've lived here, my wife's been able to do that with a few of you and, and your kids. It's just an awesome thing. I see pictures of families celebrating their kids' birthdays in style. I mean, really just showering their son or daughter with love and gifts. Uh, my boys, they, I have four sons. You know, they absolutely love what we call daddy dates. Our weeks can get really busy, and it's hard to have that one-on-one time. So they, they look forward to that. They look forward to spending that one-on-one time with Dad and having my undivided attention or, or to go on a mommy date and have mom's undivided attention. But I'll be honest with you. You know, being all that my kids need me to be is exhausting at times. It's difficult to be on as a parent 24-7. 
when it comes to providing for our families, both financially and, and being there physically, I mean, it can wear on us. But I'm thankful today because God has been our first and greatest example of what it means to be a perfect provider, to be our perfect provider. And we can be reminded that as imperfect people, as sinful people, even though we love our kids so much, um, we will never be that perfect provider. And that, that's okay, though, because our Heavenly Father is. He's our first and greatest example. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, we read these words. It says, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, and we love to do that, it says, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? You know, Jesus knew that one of the chief roles of fatherhood is to provide. And so he takes this opportunity to explain the goodness of God and to remind us that God is our perfect provider. In fact, it brings God so much joy to give good gifts to his children and to provide for our daily needs. God is our sustainer and perfect provider. This week I was reminded about a passage from Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 30. This morning is full of, of, of scripture and texts that are just some of my favorite. Matthew 6, 24 through, uh, 25 through 30, it says, This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, I mean, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Just look at the birds. They, they don't plant or harvest or store food in the barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are. I mean, what an amazing truth is that? And we continue in verse 27. It says, can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? The answer there is, is no. Why worry about your clothing? I mean, look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or, or make their own clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? You know, when we talk about this truth, it's amazing truth that God is our perfect provider. It's important to note that God's promise of provision is to provide for our needs, not our greeds. Let me say that again, that God's promise of provision is always to provide for our needs, not our greeds. You know, when we talk about prayer and we talk about God as our perfect provider, it would be easy to twist this promise into what we want it to mean. And I think that happens quite a bit. That's why it's so important to begin prayer with praise, worship, and adoration towards God, because this aligns our lives with His will. I believe 100%. It's okay to request things in prayer. It's okay to ask for the things that are on our heart. I mean, in fact, Matthew 21, verse 22, reminds us that we can pray about literally anything. There's no limit to the things that we can pray about. But I've found that our prayers tend to line up with God's will for our lives when we put God first in our prayers. You know, if you're struggling with something today, maybe it's a job, finances, uh, relationship issues, maybe there's an unspoken need that you haven't talked with anyone about, 
I want to encourage you that you can take that to God in prayer. You can pray about anything. And instead of worrying, we can give that to God this morning. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. You can give all of your worries over to God, trusting that he will do what only he can do. I believe that it brings God so much joy, so much glory to provide for his kids. Whatever's on your heart today, you can take it to him. You can talk to him about it. You know, the Lord's Prayer reminds us that God is our perfect provider. The third thing that I'd like to talk about this morning is that the Lord's Prayer shows us the value of forgiveness. This might be the most important uh, point today. Luke chapter 11, verse 4 says, And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. So in verse 4 of Luke's account of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us how we can pray about things like sin, forgiveness, and temptation. You know, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he, he made forgiveness the cornerstone of their relationship with God. God's word reminds us that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's perfect and holy standard. But that forgiveness, God's free gift of grace, is available to any person who believes in Jesus and receives his free gift of grace and salvation. In the book of 1 John, chapter 1, verse 9, we read this. It says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Every person here has sinned. Every person here has come up short in life. If you're anything like me, this happens almost on a daily basis. That's why the Lord's Prayer addresses God's plan to deal with sin. And Jesus shows us what to do when we mess up. And when other people hurt us or sin against us, Jesus shows us that forgiveness is always God's answer for sin. Let me say that again this morning. Forgiveness is always God's answer for sin. If you have been forgiven in Christ, you are now called to be an agent of forgiveness, forgiving others who have wronged or hurt you. In fact, God's word is very clear that if we remain unforgiving towards others, that is evidence that we've not understood and even received God's forgiveness in our own lives. And that, that's such a hard pill to swallow. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. This is Matthew's account of the Lord's Prayer, and this comes right at the end of it. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. And what he's not saying is that if you're struggling to forgive someone else, or if you need just a little bit of time to kind of help reconcile that relationship, he's, he's not saying that. He says, if you flat out refuse to forgive others, if you've made it up in your mind this morning that you're just not going to forgive another person, he says, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. Jesus gives us this, this startling warning about forgiveness today. That if we refuse to forgive others, God will also refuse to give us. If you're anything like me, I, I have to ask the question, why is that? I kind of wish something like this wasn't, wasn't in God's word. Why do we read this? You know, I, I believe it's because when we don't forgive those who've sinned against us, we're denying our common ground 
as sinners in need of God's grace and salvation. It's also important, though, to understand that God's forgiveness towards us is not the direct result of our ability to forgive others, but it is based on our understanding of what forgiveness means and receiving forgiveness ourselves. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us that whenever we ask God for forgiveness, we should also ask ourselves, have I forgiven the people who've wronged me? If not, we should forgive and we should work towards reconciliation because that's what Jesus has done for us. The Lord's Prayer models and shows us the value of forgiveness. So there's a couple of important questions that we have to ask ourselves this morning. Number one, uh, first and foremost, have I received God's free gift of grace, forgiveness, and salvation in my own life? That's the most important question. Have you believed in Jesus? Have you trusted in Jesus? Have you received his free gift of grace, forgiveness, and salvation today? If not, today's the day. Uh, We've got elders and ministry team leaders who'd love to stay with you after service today uh, to go through God's plan of salvation with you through through God's word and just spend some time praying with you this morning. The second thing we need to ask ourselves is, am, am I living as an agent of God's grace and forgiveness towards others. Now that I've been a recipient of God's forgiveness, uh, continually, you know, Scripture says that God's mercies, His grace is new every single day. If we've been a recipient of God's grace and forgiveness towards others, or from God, or, or are we being that towards others? I believe that's what Jesus wants from His church. That's what He wants for OCC to be. Since we've received God's grace and forgiveness, we are called to extend that to others. There's a story I was reminded about this week about how um, our 36th president, Lyndon B. Johnson, was at a staff lunch uh, when his press secretary, Bill Moyers, uh, was asked to say grace. Now, obviously, this uh, story that's been passed down happened many years before I was born, (laughs) but I think it's a great story. The story goes, as he was praying, the president shouted just shouted from across the table and said, Moyers, speak up. I can't hear a word you're saying. But Moyers quietly replied, I wasn't talking to you, Mr. President. (laughs) You know, it's a good reminder for us today that when we pray, we're talking to God. The Lord's Prayer gives us a model for how to do that from the heart, how to have the right motives and how, how to approach God in prayer. The Lord's Prayer models our priorities. It shows us that when we go to God, it's, it's important to keep the main thing the main thing, to worship and, and glorify God for who He is. Remember, He never changes. And the Lord's Prayer reminds us that God is our perfect provider. You know, as parents, we love to provide for our kids, but we, we are not perfect providers, and that's okay because our greatest example is in our Heavenly Father. He is a perfect provider. He promises to provide for our daily needs, but not always our greeds. And finally, the Lord's Prayer shows us the value of forgiveness. God's free gift of grace, forgiveness, and salvation is available to any person today. And as recipients of that, we're now called to be agents of forgiveness towards others. Let's be agents of forgiveness. Luke 11, verses 1 through 4 says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, 
And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. For today, remember, church, that prayer is a partnership with God. He wants to hear from you. In fact, prayer is the fuel that will help us all keep growing in our faith and in our relationship with Jesus. Let's be a church who values the gift of prayer.